Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. Before we get to today's awesome guest, just a little housekeeping. If you want to check me out on any social media platform, you can check me out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Pretty much if you search Man the Helm, I'm probably going to be there. But if you don't want to do all that, you can just scroll on down to the show notes. My link tree is right there. Click on that. Everything is laid out nice and neat for you guys. Uh, Also down there, you might find uh, some affiliate links for Runway Audio. Awesome stuff as well as a Patreon. Now, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support this show. But if Patreon's not your thing, totally get it. What you're doing right now, as always, is so greatly appreciated. Just hanging out and spending time with me. But if you want an easy and free way to help, make sure you share this podcast with a friend. Give it a like, comment, review, wherever you're seeing this at. Just, you know, share the love a little bit. But anyway, enough of this. Let's get to today's episode. Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. Today, I'm sitting down with Corey Congilio. What's up, dude? Hey, how are you? I'm not doing too bad, man. So this podcast is music-based, but it's more about like taking control of your life and driving it in the direction you want it to go. And I think you've done a really good job of doing that. Um, but for listeners that may not know who you are, can we just maybe start, maybe at your backstory, maybe kind of how you started playing. We don't have to go too far back, but then kind of progress to where we are today. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can give you the nutshell. I like that that's the direction of your podcast, too, because it's uh, usually the missing piece when it comes to all this kind of stuff. For sure. Um, So, yeah, I started playing at around 13 and, you know, quickly decided that's what I wanted to do for a living. And um, it was always like, you know, I thought I was going to be, you know, the Mike, the Mike Campbell or the uh, you know uh, George Marinelli or somebody that was like kind of a Buddy Miller popular side person you know right and I've done that for a long long time in all styles like contemporary styles blues rock R&B country Americana now singer songwriter whatever I could I could do just about all of it Um, but that over a 20-year period you know kind of kept having me hit a ceiling where I never had the biggest highest paying gigs in the world (laughs) and I never had the lowest paying ones either. It was always somewhere in the middle, but with that, it's tough to kind of grow as an adult um, and buy a house and furnish it and all those kinds of things. So um, in the, alongside of that, I always been a teacher. um, And in like 2010 ish, I put out maybe somewhere between 2007, 2010, I started putting out, you know, guitar courses online. I was teaching private students, um, in a little music store and that evolved over time into now having, um, this, this year, 20, well, from early 2022, I started my, my own sort of, um, lesson platform in addition to all of the stuff I do on YouTube and whatever other social media of the day. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really important for people to understand. And I, that's one of the things I keep trying to bring back is like, you have to wear so many multiple hats and have so many different, you know, avenues. If you really want to, you know, make a living, you know, you're not just going to go play gigs. You're not just going to be doing sessions. You know, you, you have to do like 15 things, you know, like you said. You're absolutely right. And I've been doing all those things for many, many years. Um, I've been a presenter. I've done clinics, you know, like NAM shows and mm-hmm. touring the country with Martin Guitar and the world. I used to work for Fishman Electronics and I would go to different countries and, you know, do demos of their gear and help, you know, a lot of those companies, they have distributors around the world who need help sort of translating the message or they translate the message, I guess, for us into their language or whatever. Right. And, um, You know, so I've gotten, I've done it all and it's always been some side of guitar related or music related job, Mm -hmm. um, even though it's not always like playing arenas and doing sessions, you know? Yeah. But, you know. (laughs) Well, and I think one of the problems that I I see a lot of people, especially starting off is they don't really know like where to start, you know, because you hear these stories about people that have worked for companies or they've got these gigs or they've got, you know, stuff like that, but they don't really have like the how to they got into that, so to speak. Right. Um, and my biggest thing for, at least 
advice that I've given is just like, dude, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You know what I mean? You just start putting yourself out there, you know? And the good thing about the time we live in right now, it's like, you don't necessarily have to move down to like a music city. You don't have to go to Nashville. You don't have to go to LA, you know, New York. I mean, it, it helps, but with the, all the resources and networking you have through the internet, you know what I mean? Like you can get some cool stuff happening for you if you start putting yourself out. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's really interesting because, um, I, I will say that, you know, living in Nashville has afforded me for sure some things that, you know, other areas might not, but I have plenty of friends that live all over the world and mm-hmm. are, are online based only. And, on a monetary level, they're as successful making music as anybody, you know, anywhere else. And certainly probably more so than here. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, it's just like, it's, it's starting and putting yourself out, but also having like a game plan for what you want to do. Because like, if you just want to teach, you're completely capable of doing that anywhere in the world, just online. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're totally right. You know, but if, if you want to gig, then yeah, you probably do need to be moving to one of those hubs to kind of get those gigs. Yes and no, um, because what Nashville is guilty of is making it look amazing. Right. And it's a great, great place. I love living here. And I try to think about where would I move and it's hard to, Mm -hmm. because, you know, climate's good. It's still relatively affordable on the outskirts of town. Um, you know, when you're like 30 minutes outside of Nashville type things. Um, but there are no like three or four night a week, three hour sets aside from the Broadway scene, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, um, all the standard country rock covers. If that, if that's what you're into and you want to, you know, take an amp on a dolly and fight, you know, all the drunk people and traffic and all that, like then go for it. It's, you know, there's people making 400 bucks a night there. And if you're doing that, sometimes doing doubles or triples, you know, in a day and, you, and you're making, you know, two, three grand a week playing that stuff, go ahead. But for me, what comes with that is like, I got to avoid drinking too much. Yep. <laughs> I got to avoid, you know, any other kind of like weirdo stuff that can happen down there. People, you know, people get, uh, you know, assaulted or, you know, who knows what, <laughs> but, um, where I came from, it was not unheard of to have two or three gigs a week that were blues and R and B, you know, dance gigs, stuff like that, where you could, you know, improvise a little bit on top of playing fun songs that doesn't exist all that much. Like it might in like a Florida situation right? or a store, um, you know, maybe in Northern California or, you know, I know people that moved here who did, they're like, man, I used to play three or four, like open acoustic, you know, nights a week. And I'm like, well, that's probably not going to happen here. Mm -hmm. you're just going to be fighting everybody else who came from every other town to try and do that and it just doesn't exist right yeah dude um i'm actually in the exact scenario you just talked about i'm 30 ish minutes north of nashville it's cheaper to live up here and if i get gigs i can drive down there and it's no big deal yeah but i will say though i got pretty burnt out on the broadway stuff pretty quick man because like you just said it's just like a battle just to get to load in you know what i mean it's like and then once you get there, it's it's the same, you know, hundred some songs that you always play everywhere. You know what I mean? And it just it's cool, but it, it's not. It just wasn't for me either. Yeah, and you're not. You know, we invest all this time in our sound and our gear, and we don't mm-hmm. need to use any of it, right? You know, because we got to use a backline amp or something cheap and more <clears throat> that we can take down there. I mean, I see like John Bollinger taking like a Boss Katana mm-hmm. gigs, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't grow up playing guitar to play through a boss katana no offense to boss katanas but you know you know you you buy this nice shit and you want to use it you know (laughs) well that's one of the things that drives me nuts when you hear people that kind of get sucked into that like perpetual loop i call it of like the cover gig stuff it's like what the audience doesn't care it's like well i care what i'm playing through you know what i mean it's going to be different for me as a player if i'm playing through something awesome that i really love versus some twin that's been backlined for 15 years you know what i mean (laughs) right so yeah it's just one of those things but um with the online stuff i think that's kind of the route that a lot of people are starting to see is is really uh, i don't know if tangible would be the right word but you get a lot of like it's not the same as playing live i love playing live you get that connection with the audience and stuff like that but it seems like there's more of a 
stable community online once you start to create it you know through like your channels or or yeah. podcasts or whatever you know what i mean you actually get fans you, you know do. of what you're doing and you're the first person i've ever heard say that from a sense of like i know you get it like i can tell mm -hmm. right like, because there's there's two ways like if i was maybe 19 years old and let's say i wanted to let's say i loved like ariel posen Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to devote myself to being the next aerial pose. And I want to play slide. I'm going to change my tuning. I'm going to do, you know, okay, well, you better get really freaking good at it. Right. Because you're going to be that, that guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Or someone like me that said, I got to eat. I'm going to get really good at a lot of things. I can play country a little bit. I can play R&B. I can play blues. I can, you know, and I'm hireable. I can sing background vocals. I can sing lead vocals, you know, um, then I started to develop this, like these video chops and mm -hmm. chops and, you know, trying to say, well, I should probably say, like, learn how to speak really clearly and directly to a lens. Like all those kinds of things are all skill sets to keep me employed yeah. um, because I could certainly go wait tables or work at Starbucks and just play what I wanted to play. Absolutely. But I wouldn't necessarily have as much fun and meet all the people I'm meeting and become friends with like people I never thought I'd become friends with, you know, yeah. this online community. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I mean, cause you know, when you get to do these, you know, bigger shows, you know, like your gear fest, your NAMs your stuff like that, where you get to actually go meet people like once or twice a year that you've, you know, are constantly talking with. Yeah. It's almost like just hanging out with a friend you haven't seen in forever. You know that's what I mean? The, yeah. That's the appeal of trade shows for most of us is not so much about the gear because we could see the gear anytime we right. want now, but like, you know, I get together with, you know, I get to see Tim Pierce, you know, mm -hmm. I, I get to see Pete Thorne or whatever, you know, and, and, or even my friends at companies like my, my friend at Two Rock or my friends at Universal Audio, like, I don't see them, but once a year, if that, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the only drawback I see with it, because it's like, it, it's not really a drawback, but it's more of like, um, you got to stay just really mentally focused and sharp when you're doing the online stuff, you know, yeah. because, because you'll, especially starting out I, I know from you know just my personal experience you know what i mean you, you're not seeing any headway and then you're looking at people you know like for instance yourself or any other like person that's been online for a substantial amount of time and now you start comparing yourself it's like well there's no point to compare because yeah if they put in the work for however many years you're not obviously going to be like them in six months 12 months 18 months even maybe even two or three years no you know? it's a conversation that you need to keep having to mm -hmm. yourself and maybe have some other like support system people around you because like I'm, I'm to the point now where like, I actually have a manager for this stuff. Okay. And my manager also works with a lot of other people that, you know, mm -hmm. and it was kind of the thing where like, he started helping me. I knew those people, they needed help. So we kind of merged and became this like, you know, you know, like how LeBron has like, his people, you know, <laughs> like, right, right, like, right. Same kind of thing, you know, because I'm putting myself on that level, right? But yeah. in any case, um, that alone creates this amazing support system. And you're bouncing ideas off of all these people who have been in the game, you know, three, five years, even 10 years longer than you. It's like, you're never going to be able to compare yourself to like Marty Schwartz, mm -hmm. who started at the dawn of YouTube. Right. Like, and he's awesome at what he does. Mm -hmm. He was there at the beginning, you know, and... Uh, the, the misconception is I talk to people, I don't know, once a month that call me and say, I'm considering making some videos. What do I do? And I'm like, you just got to get started because there is a lane for you. doesn't matter how many times somebody's shown a pentatonic scale. You haven't shown it. Exactly. No, it's, it's an interesting thing to wrap your brain around. Well, and that's the thing that I get back to because, you know, like when I was first kind of getting going and I haven't really been doing this for too long, but it's like, that's, that's kind of the mindset I had at first. I was like, well, there's already a Pete Thorne that demos everything. There's already this this person that does this. There's already that. And I can't remember who said it to me, but they said those exact words. It's like, oh, but cool. you haven't done it. So you might approach it from a different angle that people will connect with. You never know how it's going to roll. Yeah. And then you start listening to people like Seth Godin, you know, and they talk about, um, I'll have to Google it, the, the thousand true fan you know, right. mm -hmm. uh, mentality. And he's, and it's true. Like it literally is true that you only need a certain group of people. Cause like, if you have a hundred thousand subscribers, like 30% of that could be the most loyal people. Exactly. You know, and that's all, that's more than enough. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially, I mean, like you said, you know, you have your loyal fans that when you put out anything, whether it's a course, whether it's something on Patreon that you want, you know, a little help with, you know, those true fans that are dedicated to you are most of the time going to follow you over to that, you know, piece of media. It worked. I mean, when I started doing the teaching thing, I met the True Fire folks in mm -hmm. uh, 2010, no, probably 2008-ish. Um, so, and that's a funny story about just like saying yes to things that you're not comfortable about saying yes to. Like True Fire's only become really more of a household name in the past like five or six years, I think. For sure. You know, because I started with them so early, um, they they had a great model and a great system in place. And then they started getting some of the bigger names in, but they were investing in people like me to kind of help build the library of catalog of courses in the catalog. And they said, no, you're building your own audience within our umbrella, which was awesome. And I did do that. And I didn't realize how I was growing. And then I started getting some offers. And what was funny before I move on from that, I got that connection because I was doing video demos for Fishman back when, you know, people just started doing demos online of products. Mm -hmm. and True Fire was shooting and hosting them because True Fire had the analytics back and they could say, well, well, people look clicked on this so many times and they like this one more and blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of a new thing um, back in 07. Right. And they asked me, do you teach? I said, yeah, I have like 60 students a week out of a closet in Pittsburgh that I was teaching out of. And I started doing courses with them. It did really well, cultivated an audience. And then I started getting offers from some other people to reach. And I realized I could reach a different audience from my friends like Brett Papa, uh, Eric Andreas, your guitar mm -hmm. stage. And I started doing courses with them and partnering with them. And I was like really concerned. I was like, are people going to get it? Are they going to follow me to these other places? And they did. Yeah. You know? And, and I made sure the content was just different enough of what they couldn't get somewhere else. You know, it had the same thread of information, but it was presented in a different way. Um, cause you also, as a teacher and a presenter, you get better at doing that. Just right. And then once I dropped the email to said, Hey, I have my own site where all my new courses are going to live for forever. That started taking off within, I mean, March will be a year of this year, which oh, is wow. yeah. that it's only been that long, but you know, my, my working class guitar VIPs is, are what they're called mm. are really awesome. And I'm super thankful that they followed me this long. Well, and, and it's, it's because they like you, it's, but it's also because you're providing value to them. You know what I mean? You're giving them something that they truly enjoy. It's not just like a, a, a run of the mill course that you could just Google real quick and get some free lessons real quick. Like right. they're, 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 they're getting the lesson, but they're also, they, they enjoy you teaching it. That's, that's the biggest thing. You I, know? It's taken me a while to figure that out, but I have right. You're right. They, they do like my delivery and for whatever reason. Well, and it's like you look at anybody on, on social media. I mean, just take your favorite, whoever your favorite YouTuber is on whatever space. It's like if you're looking forward to their videos every week, you're not really caring. Like, yeah, you might care what they're showing you, but you're more just excited to see their video. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know? I think that's that's actually starting to happen more and more now on my own channel. Okay, yeah which is which is great because youtube is different because you're casting such a huge net out there yeah so you're going to get as many people that you're going to get a lot of you know lovely positive comments but you're going to get plenty of people that you know want to combat you so For you sure. deal with the bad and hopefully you you gain some some fans that way but it's the single best way to to gain and grow your audience that i know of well and that's that's also how you get those connections like you were talking about with like you know your your people brands that have hit you up they didn't just hit you up just because they were like oh he seems like an okay guy you yeah. know they hit you up because they saw the work you had put in you know right. Right. and and then the thing that 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 first one i feel like is always hard you know that first endorsement that first sponsorship whatever it is but then once you have that it kind of starts to snowball a little bit you start to meet other people it's almost like when you go to like writer's nights down in Nashville or something yeah. like that, you know, you start to network right. with everybody, you know, you're exactly right. It's just a whole different space of networking than exactly in the sort of literal music world. And just like in that, you kind of figure out who are the people you like to network them with the most mm -hmm. people that say, you know, there's, there's people that will want to say, well, let us see a rough draft of the video. We mm -hmm. Like, no, no, no. Like, 
I'm going to do it. It's going to be classy. It's going to be, you know, not disparaging. It's going to be positive and let me do it. And, and, and then other people are just like, okay, um, we'd love for you to do a video. We're going to sponsor it. What's your fee? Okay. No questions asked. Here you go. You yeah. Know, and you do it. And I try to always come at a friend of mine who's been in the industry for a long time. He works for, um, for Harmon and, okay. and he, I've known him for years and he's really smart. And he goes, I never feel like you're shilling the product. I feel like yeah. you're teaching me what you like about it and teaching me how to use it. And that's really all I'm interested in. Like, and I, I will say no, like this recent, like, you know, the PRS SE stuff that came out, like I have a DGT. I love it. I love David Grissom's playing. He's a wonderful guy. I want to promote the shit out of his guitar. So he sells a bunch, you know, right. I, mean? I like PR. They're friends of mine. PRS is awesome. Like, you know, through PRS, Mark Tremonti reached out and invited me to the Alter Bridge show at the Ryman in a couple right. weeks. And it's like, that would never happen to me otherwise. Like, that's freaking cool. Like, I'm going to get to hang out with, you know, Mark Tremonti and Miles and all those guys. And <laughs> well, yeah, but that's, that, it's just a, that's it's, it it's a byproduct of you busting your ass for years. Yeah. And it's, you know, you know making a video of the quality that I'm trying to do right now in this little 10 by 12 room with two cameras and a softbox. You know what I mean? Like, right. That's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the thing. I think people, they like over glamorize the, the demo channel in the music space or the, you know, lesson channel. And they, they don't really realize just like you were talking about earlier, how you kind of have to get used to just talking to a camera and how that's within a, a skill within itself, you know, yeah. not having so many ums and I, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I had plenty of those. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, but you it's, you can edit those out now. <laughs> well, true, true. <laughs> no, but I try to, you know, I try to make it pretty conversational. Well, yeah. And it's, it's the other thing too. You're, the the only reason why you know you're as successful as you are is because you truly love it i mean if, even if you weren't you know making stuff on youtube you would still be teaching in some capacity i'm sure you oh, yeah. would still be you know showing off gear in some way i'm sure you know what i mean it wouldn't just be a i'm not making money so i'm not going to do this anymore right exactly you know? exactly it's and it all again it, it's kind of like i i like to take the the crow's nest view mm -hmm. and i like to see like okay where is our industry going Right. Where is it currently? And I've been around too much of the, you know, Nashville machine to see that wherever it's going, it's not benefiting the people who are the the lunch pail musicians. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, it, it, it hasn't benefited us in a long time. Um, and it's not going to in a way that's sustainable unless it, I live with four other dudes in a house in mm -hmm. Nashville. Yep. That's what I was just about to say, unless you're going to have about six roommates, you know, yeah. uh, but that's one of the things that I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable about putting themselves out because when they, when they're doing it on social media, like it's all on you, like you don't have like, yeah. a, you don't have like a support, like to fall back on, you know what I mean? And the other thing too, which a lot of people don't realize that, you know, most of the time when you're first starting off, you're not just quitting your nine to five, you're keeping that nine to five and you still got to do, you still got to eat, man. You're just doing that on top of it. So it's really like you're working a second job or a third job or however you want to look at it. You know what I mean? And you need to treat it as such because if you don't, the, the quality is going to start to suffer. You know, people are going to notice that you're not really into it. You know, believe it or not, if you, you've people listening, you've seen a video yeah. where somebody just doesn't care and you can see it and you're watching it for about maybe two minutes. And you're like, oh, I can't sit through this. Yeah, the you camera know? does not lie. You, you have to, you know, be invested and part of the investment is frequency yes and if you're not frequent enough you know you're going to lose your audience mm -hmm. and what happens is you know during 2020 i fielded calls all the time how do i do you know should i buy final cut should i start doing videos should i do that and i'm like yeah go for it you should because i'm doing it right now and i'm going full speed because i feel that that's where my life is headed and then as soon as the touring season picked back up, all those people forgot about it, Yeah, um, which is fine. I get it because we need money right now, but sure. you know, I've done plenty of tours where I had to wait, I don't know, 30 days to get my $200 check. Yeah. So you tell me what's better, you know, for sure. Well, uh, to kind of go back a little bit, the thing that I've always tried to tell people, it's like, you need to be consistent and honest with yourself first. And then that's going to, you know, carry over into whatever you're trying to do, whether, 
you're playing live, whether you're doing stuff on social media, it's just be consistent and honest with whatever your craft is. If you're a guitar player, singer, whatever, you know, make sure you're putting in the work, putting in the time. If you got to, you know, cover gig coming up, make sure you're nailing it. You know, that way when you get to the, the gig, you know, you're not flubbing all over notes and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, just as well as I do, you know, you play some of these gigs and you might not think anybody's watching, but somebody's paying attention to you. You know what I mean? And the yeah, second the thing I learned here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the second you screw up, you know, everybody knows about it. You know what I mean? Or something or something like like that. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah, he was OK, but he doesn't know how to play X, Y or Z because he messed up a few notes here. You know what I mean? Not saying that it's like it's not like gossipy or anything like that, but I've kind of ran into that before. No, where, people, take, people take inventory of, of for sure. Yeah, you know, but I think that's one of the like things that people don't realize about coming to a music city like that, like or like Nashville. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. everybody in this area can just absolutely rip at whatever they do. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you're not competing. You know, everybody's good. You know yeah, that. The, yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. But the the key part to that is the things that people don't understand is like. Showing up on time and being a cool dude goes so much further than you being able to play. Yeah, it really you know, because if if you're a, a cool hang and you aren't, you know, getting drunk at gigs and you know showing up late for practices or or you know missing rehearsals or whatever you're doing, you know they're gonna really respect you a lot more and they'll forgive your you know playing just a little bit. You know, you still got to be good. They're, that that's the, the you know you still got to be at a certain level, but you're not gonna they're not gonna trying to think of the best way to say it that pretty much they're just going to forgive you for you know some mistakes that you make you know what i mean yeah no i mean it goes along i've seen plenty of like in the touring situations i've been in where you know artists will keep players around that are you know of average ability exactly but have a you know a strong work ethic and a loyalty um and are easy to deal with exactly yep yeah, last thing you want to do is, you know, piss off people and then that's the word on the street that you're, you know, kind of a jerk to work with and you're going to do your own thing. You know what I mean? And, and you'll get by for a few years being a jerk, but it catches up to you. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's that's the thing, you know, like like you were talking about earlier, everything kind of like snowballs into itself, you know what I mean? Like you never know what you could get just from playing a gig you're not maybe like 100% yes on, like maybe it's not somebody or something you want to do. But in saying yes to that gig, it could open up an endless amount of possibilities to people. It's you know true. what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's most of the situations I've been in have come from like when I played with um, uh, one of my favorite artists. I played with Lucy Silvis. Um, I got that gig playing in a another gig that I couldn't stand. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing the gig because my friends were in the band and we had a blast not playing music <laughs> exactly but yeah. i was on a festival and um john osborne who's lucy's husband um well actually the drummer from brothers osborne i was okay. I'm, I'm friends with and he said john you should talk to Corey about playing with lucy and had i not been on that gig that might not have happened yeah you know? yeah um one of the best quotes i've ever had on the podcast was uh, from brian wampler talking about he likes to live on the uncomfortable you know, if he feels uncomfortable about something, he immediately says yes to it. And I was just like, that's a that's a heck of a way to think about stuff. You know what I mean? Because it, it, you never know what's going to happen. Like, I've always had that, like, um, that anxiety of, you know, first time playing with somebody. Because it's like, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm not going to be good enough on that back of my head. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm yeah. just, you know, screw up. And But it's also good because you never want to be the best person in the room. You know, because right. I learned so much stuff from going to some of those rehearsals from guys that are just miles above me. You know what I mean? And it's it's like one of the best lessons in the world for, you know, intermediate players that are trying to get to that next level is playing with dudes that just absolutely, are, you know, rip, you know. Yeah. And so, have like a, you know, a real experience level maybe above above you or something. For too. sure. They've experienced things that you haven't and that is also making them not necessarily like a virtuoso but someone that's like a stellar sensitive musician yeah you know the 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 life experiences and the the ones that will share those life experiences with you on in the hopes that you will not make same the same decisions you know are are invaluable you know it's it's such good advice from those guys but um what are 
What are some of the challenges when you uh, first started this, man, that you kind of like didn't foresee happening? And then like kind of how did you kind of work your way around, like with the social media side of things? You know um, what I mean? Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Um because there's plenty of oh yeah, I, I'm yeah my bad yeah yeah <laughs> no, no, I'm done no, no, um, but uh, one of the biggest things and I'm still navigating it is um, is your schedule and time for sure um, and how much effort am I going to put into to this video or to this lesson or whatever um, and I just kind of uh, you know started to every every month or every quarter or sometimes it's every week like you know start to assess like um how much should i be putting should i be doing a video every week should i do one every two weeks by doing it every two weeks does that allow me to make more course content because the most important people to me are my subscribers on my my lesson site for sure um, they need to be you know taking care of the most you know customer support emails all that kind of stuff um, and also posting fresh stuff for them. Um, what I'm able to do is as I develop new courses, I, they, as a subscriber, they get to see the course as it's being built as opposed oh, nice. to, yeah. so, so they get sort of the back end view, which is pretty cool. Um, we also do monthly zoom calls, um, with the group. So if there's, you know, it'd be, it'd be 30 people on a call and they can ask me questions over like 90 minutes or whatever. So it's kind of a fun, uh, you know, added bonus. And those are the most important things, you know, for me, but I have to get new people interested in that, which is putting out YouTube videos and, you know, doing some other things here or there, but it's how much time can I put into creating YouTube videos? Is that going to take away from my subscribers? And that's always kind of flip-flopping back and forth. Um, and, you know, just getting time to rest and, right. not, and not like constantly be looking like my wife makes fun of me for like, like how much I'm looking at, like how many views something has or how many subscribers I got from that video or whatever. it is, it's totally ad addictive. Um, so I'm, I'm usually done working by like five 30. Oh, um, nice. You know, yeah. I, I make sure I'm done. Like, cause I could take a nap and get up and work more. But what uh, I yeah. realized is that, is it a diminishing return sort of a thing? If I work for another three hours, well, I only produce 45 minutes worth of good output, you know, whereas today I got up, you know, and I'm working by 730 and I had a video that I needed to get done for a course. They call it, we call it like a sales video. Basically, you have to okay. pitch and basically say, here, here's what you're going to get in the course. And it's the more interesting you make that, the more attractive it is to someone to kind of sign up for it. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've been doing it since with True Fire for all of them, so I have a good idea of how that goes. But I was two hours, boom, tons of output. There it was, you know, and it's like, okay, then I went to my acupuncture, then I got lunch, now I'm here talking to you, and then I'll work some more, then I'll shut it down. You there know, you so go. Like trying to manage just, uh, you know, uh, a schedule is probably one of the hardest thing. And doing something that makes you feel like you're not burning the candle and having all this anxiety for not putting out something every day or, you know, whatever. And you got to think the people goes back to like the people that are really far ahead of us, do your homework because they probably have people working for them, like True. editors, you know, and people posting that stuff where I don't, I don't have that. Exactly. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to talk about like, so the main focus for you obviously is, you know, the students, the course that you're doing and everything else is kind of like that funnel down, like, marketing so to speak like so your instagram posts your youtube stuff like that is all just being you know hoping that people get to the course correct uh yeah for the most part i mean that's kind of like the day job aspect, yeah you know? see that's one of the things i always try to relay to people too it's like have a main focus and everything else you do whether it's tiktok instagram youtube whatever just make sure that you're getting to the main focus of whatever it is you know, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why podcasts like attracted me so much is because there's, it's not really algorithmic. You know what I mean? It's like, I kind of control how everything goes, you know, right. and same thing with like you having your website with your courses. It's like, it's, that's your thing. You know, there's no third party, you know, tech company that's dictating who gets to see what from you on that. Right. Right. You know, and that's one of the things I've always tried to relay to people. That's one of the most important <clears throat> things with doing something on social media having something that you can pretty much control that everything else is just being funneled to. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. 
And on top of that, you know, if you are like myself, I enjoy gigging. You have to find time to get those gigs and, you know, make sure you're playing well. So I, I was kind of surprised because a lot of the guys and girls that I've talked to being done by five thirty usually isn't a thing, man, you know, but it's good that you kind of keep yourself to that, that schedule, you know, for, cause I mean, dude, I was up to like 1230 last night trying to get some stuff done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So. I mean, if I had kids, it would probably be really hard. I'd probably have to like do stuff while they were asleep or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, and if I was, um, if I was single, I'd probably like, you know, spend more time burning the candle, but you know, making time for a healthy relationship helps for sure. the rest of it go well, because then I have the support from my partner too, where she, I can say, Hey, I got to spend some time working late. She's like, Oh, great. I'll watch a movie, whatever. Like, right. You know, um, so there's a, there's a real understanding there. And, and frankly, like I just get tired and hungry and exactly want to just like, you know, in those times, like I start to like, those are fertile idea times too. Like, you know, titles will come to me or video ideas or, or any of that kind of stuff. But, um, and it also gives me time to just kind of sit and noodle too. Like I can, I can practice a little bit. Um, so I try to, and I, I get up a lot earlier than I used to, too. I mean, I'm, I'm probably up by, you know, six, six thirty, where I was always like till nine, nine or 10 PM sleeper kind of guy. Right. Uh, Cause I would stay up late, you know, mm -hmm. but now it's, it's different. I just, things things have changed yeah and but it's good too because it's like you you are treating it exactly the way you need to it is your job you know you're not you're not treating it as like oh i just you know put out some silly videos or maybe a half-cocked lesson you know what i mean like it, you're taking it extremely seriously like you would for a normal nine to five and i think that's one of the misconceptions that people have it's like i'm gonna quit my nine to five so i can go do youtube or whatever it's like well you're gonna trade 40 hours for probably 80 hours at that point right. you know you know what right. i mean so uh, it, it's one of those it's one of those weird like catch 22s that like people i don't think realize it till they get a little more deeper into it because really especially with youtube like you're not going to find a rhythm with what you're doing at least for probably 30 videos you know what i mean until you like really hone yeah, in it, what you're doing in which which probably like hones in on more like a year yeah, you know, exactly. And it's a kind of a year by year basis for me. I kind of figure out like I'm in a I'm in a position probably with this year where it's gonna be, you know, not only sponsoring like, you know, promoting my site, but like being able to really offer companies, you know, an avenue to to have their gear on. Whereas before my my look was just okay, my presentation was just okay. Uh, my my delivery and my playing was good, but it wasn't, you know, looking and sounding how I wanted it to. Now it's in a position where I'm really happy with it and people are like, you know, responding and, and that's, that's encouraging to me um, to be able to say, okay, let's focus on building it in that direction. So it's kind of, it kind of grows out as opposed to just in one, one, you know, narrow lane. For sure. And one of the things um, I, I'm kind of in this uh, weird spot right now, I'm still doing everything on a cell phone, which is completely fine. You know, anybody yeah. that's starting off, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but I have noticed, you know, that's one of the drawbacks with it. Like you just said, you know, the playing's okay. The delivery's fine, but the look and appeal is not that great. But the, the good thing about that is that no one's really paying attention right now to the channel. Yeah. So I can iron out all those silly mistakes that you're going to make anyway. Yeah. You know, with it not looking as professional as like you would, you know, want your videos to look or even the sound quality. But that's that's one of the things that I think a lot of people kind of have to take a step back. And I always try to especially musicians and guitar players especially. I tell them I'm like, "You remember how hard it was for you just to fret like a bar chord?" Yeah, exactly. And how long it took you to do that? You need yeah. to treat it like the same way with, you know, your content. You know what I mean? Okay. You're going to have to put the reps in and and make sure you get it down you know yeah they're they're looking at it through the long wrong lens usually because yeah. there's also this like you know with a lot of the player friends that i have that are like heavyweight pro players mm -hmm. they look at somebody's inability on the instrument and that's the first thing that they they cut against they're like ah that person you know they don't they're not a good player i'm like yeah but 
they're connecting with a couple hundred thousand people because they they sound good they look good and they're likable yeah. you know they're relatable and so that would probably discourage like the the better player to say like well i'm not gonna i put all this time in my playing that should be enough sorry it's not it's not it's, now you have to put time into this whole other area that you haven't considered and i didn't consider it either i didn't I certainly didn't want to do this. I mean, if I, you know, if, if like Sadler Vaden called me up and said, Hey, I'm quitting Jason Isbell's band. Do you want the gig? And I'd be like, sign me up. I'll be the right. And I would do that job. And I think I would do a damn good job at it. Cause that's the kind of guitar player, you know, that I think I can, can be, I, I know I can, I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. I do all these different things as a musician, but I can't pull that stuff out of thin air. I, I had this revelation the other day where like the universe is just dangling this in front of you saying, this is the future. You're already good at it. Do it. And I'm like, okay, you know, you have somebody that wants to help you for free and they're going to manage what you do. Like, okay. Like, and you just take those things as they come, as opposed to like beating my head against the wall and not getting the gigs that I wanted um, that don't pay very much anyway. Um, not, I wouldn't say that, but don't pay a wage that it's all I can do exactly that job whereas like in the 90s or something you could maybe have a salary gig you know I know mm -hmm. plenty of, I know plenty of people that have salary touring gigs that still have other jobs on the side yeah like almost all of them yeah <laughs> well that's that's the biggest thing too because I had a I had a friend that was talking about um not wanting to go you know down this way because all you're going to do is play cover gigs and I'm like okay yeah but if you get on like a session what are you doing you're yeah. playing a cover song what if song. you yeah what if you get on a tour well you're playing all of the artist songs like yeah you're That's still really playing cover songs man you are and um it's funny to watch I, i'll i'll address that a few ways because you're just hitting all these great things um you know people even designing their pedal boards to get the sounds that they need to cover for this for the records that they need to emulate, which is totally cool. I've done it. I've done it really well and have fun, have had fun doing it. But I just took my board to XTS to get wired up. Oh, that nice. Has, that has nothing to do with any gig I have other than my own sound. It's got a couple pedals on it. I really like um, some new stuff that I wanted to try. And that's going to be the board. And it's a 20 inch board. It's super small. Yeah. Got like nine pedals on it um with a lot of flexibility but there's no menus there's no strymon there's no eventide not that i don't like all that stuff i totally do but generally that stuff is is a, appealing because you have to have like 10 different kinds of reverbs for different things and, you know get all that kind of shit anyway which i think is awesome and i would do it if i if i had to do it in the particular time but that combined with the fact that i every every youtube video i put out is me playing however i want to play mm -hmm. You know, and I've never had that opportunity before, ever. And that's what doing any kind of music playing online affords you. Yeah. Yeah. It's originality, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what people are going to come back for. Like, yeah, you might get like, you might get some, some good views if you do like covers of songs at first, yeah. you know, when you're first starting to start off. Like, yeah, people are going to appreciate it. But if like to go back to like, you know, the thousand true fans and stuff, they okay. want to see you. They want to see what you do. They want to hear your sound. Man, you I, had a, I had a guy. I went to see um, Tom Bukovac the other night at Third and Lindsley. And oddly enough, a guy that I had, had online teaching interactions with for years was in the crowd. He was from Colorado. Oh, nice. He was, he came into town with his girlfriend and his dad and they were just, you know, doing the whole Nashville thing for a week. And that gig, that, that concert had, you know, happened to be playing and he saw me and we talked and he, he's been one of these guys, like sometimes these little, like, you know, uh, little angel figures come in your life and they say things to you that like, you didn't think anybody knew because it's right. in the back of your head. And he said, I want to see you doing that because you're so much more than what you are online and it really touched me because there is a lot more that i want to offer as a musician and the fact that he said that out of the clear blue sky just blew me away because he's one of those thousand true fans so yeah. there you, go. you know yeah. so it's out there you know
Well, and it's it's such a nice experience when something like that happens because like I don't care who you are, you always are going to have like a little self-doubt. You're going to have a little bit of like, man, what am I doing this for? You're always going to have those off days. But situations like that kind of like validate, you know, yeah. the years that you've put in, you know, I mean, and it's just a sentence. It, yeah, it's right. And the self and look how long it stuck with me. Yeah, it's, exactly. You know, or weeks in this case, and it will be for a long, long time. But, you know, you take that self-doubt situation, then you add a camera to it. And it gets even, you know, <laughs> more multiplied. Yeah. Well, yeah, because at that point, you know, you're just sitting staring at, a, you know, an LED screen or your phone or whatever you're well, using, you know. Yeah, but then the, the critiquing on the other side of it, yeah. you know, yeah. is even more debilitating. Yeah, that that's one of the things, man. I, I just don't, I, I guess I'm not wired the same way, man. Like, I just don't even pay attention to that crap. It's good, you know. You know. I start to realize like, that's just some other, that's just some guy. That's not me, you know, not that well, it's not me in the, in, you know, the transparency or integ integrity sense, but you have to look at it. Like, you know, if I sent this to an editor, they wouldn't be looking at me like, you know, Oh, his hair is out of place or whatever. Right. And, and <laughs> you have to understand too, like those people are not mad at you. They're, they're mad at something else that's going on in their life. A hundred percent. And that is such a huge thing to, to, to get in the early stages is, is that realization because yeah. they are angry at something other than your video. Yep. You're, you're just the outlet at that point. That's it, man. You know, that's it. So going forward for 2023, what do you got on the horizon or anything you can talk about or, you know, yeah, um, lots of stuff. Well, with the live playing thing, it's funny. Like I've actually tried to be playing at least once a month. With nice. A, with a group just playing, we're just playing like some of my tunes, but a lot of like, you know, sort of classic blues and R&B covers. Cool. But using it as a vehicle to really improvise in a yeah. sense of like, we're not jazz musicians, but we're going for it as if we are, you know? For sure, for <laughs> sure. And that's how I always grew up playing and have not had that opportunity in Nashville since I moved here um, 10 years ago. And uh, to be able to do that now at the Underdog in East Nashville is an awesome opportunity. And there's some other places we're going to play. Nice. Um, but it's a it's funny because, you know, there are places to play like that, but I have to pay the guys. Like, right. I, I can't have them show up for free. Yeah. So if I can, you know, it was funny. We were talking at rehearsal the other day about like, you know, I'd be nice to play this place and this place in a month. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, if you guys were, you know, able to accept less payment and they all laughed or like, oh, you're right. I forgot about that. You know, yep. <laughs> because me, like most of these guys that I'm hiring for my gigs, I've been side men with them on. Other gotcha. Gigs. Yeah. And, so they're looking at me now like the band leader and the artist. Mm -hmm. It's a weird. It's a weird feeling. Like I haven't had that. Oh, I'm sure. So it's a whole new new thing. But in that, like I've been playing some more obscure tunes that I recently recorded, like some re like old blues covers that aren't very aren't your popular standards. Like we're not doing like Sweet Home Chicago or anything. Right. It's like, you know, some underground stuff, but my own spin. I've been recording those. Hopefully, that'll be some of those songs will be out this year. Nice. Um, yeah, and then on top of that, just building my my lesson site, workingclassguitar.com. And the goal is to have by next month a new offering, a new course offering every month for the rest of the year. Nice. So that would really build my library. So if somebody wants to sign up at a, you know, uh, I don't know how if you do this, but I'm I'm happy to offer anybody listening um a discount uh, on the on the site and they can Oh, absolutely. It. Yeah. You can try it free for 14 days. I'll give you a link. And cool. it's just like 10 bucks a month after that actually 9. Um, but the hope is after a year, there'll be, you know, eight or 10 new courses in addition to what's already there. Mm -hmm. so you can just go nuts and download tracks and get tabs and all kinds of stuff and then do our zoom calls and whatever else, or, you know, or buy courses a la carte if you want. Um, and then, you know, keep doing videos. I have some companies that have reached out recently that are, uh, some of my favorite companies to work with and I'll be doing some product launches for them. Nice. Um, but again, like one of the things I want people to know is there's people, there's people out there that do this that are just like gonna, you pay me the right amount. I'll do a video for your pedal. Like for that's sure. not how I do it. Like I yeah. rarely, I work with like probably a half a dozen brands that I'm legit friends with. And that's usually what you see. And you know, the frequency of how they put stuff out usually allows me to pepper those in my channel. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing, man, is you want to be friends and you want to help support those companies because you yeah. are, you know, fan of that company or those yeah. companies. And the relationship know. is what's, what matters. Like, yes. you know, um, I made, uh, some new friends at a, a really large, uh, guitar company recently that nice. I never, and you'll see some stuff coming out. I don't want to spoil it. Um, you'll, you would, I would never expect it to make that connection, um, up until a couple months ago. And I always wanted to work with one of the people at the company because I admired what they did from an artist relations standpoint. Mm -hmm. And we just, we hit it off and they're lovely people. And you know, that's, that's what happens. You know, that yeah. happened a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just putting in the work and, you know, keep, you know, chugging away at stuff and, you know, the possibilities are almost endless with what you can do. You know, Absolutely. that's, that's one of the biggest things that I've tried to push on the show. But um, before we wrap this up, I know you already talked about your site, but we can plug it again. Let's get all your other plugs out of the way too. Oh man, that'd be awesome. I mean, the biggest one is, you know, my YouTube channel, you can find me just under my name, Corey Congelio. Um, and then my lesson website is workingclassguitar.com. Uh, like I said, I'll give you a link. You can try the whole site free for 14 days. After that, it's just nine bucks a month with that coupon link I'll give you. Nice. Uh, and uh, hit me, you know, you can message me there. You can sign up for the mailing list there. Um, my artist website is coreycongelio.com, which is basically just a hub to point you back to the um, the lessons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. but, so there's that kind of stuff out there. You know, find me on the occasional Instagram post and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's not easy to find. It's not hard to find me there you go. <laughs> out yeah. there. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody listening to this that has any questions. Nice. All right. Well, hey, that'll all be posted down below in the show notes. So if you guys want to check out any of the awesome stuff Corey's been up to and what he will be up to in the future, like you guys know, that'll all be there. So get down in the show notes and check all that stuff out. Corey, had a great time talking to you, dude. Likewise, man. Thanks for reaching out and inviting me. Absolutely, man. But for Corey, we're going to have to wrap this up and we will see you guys next week on Man the Helm Podcast. Mm -hmm.